chunks of an average day, I am a moron, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome to Fever Pitch Week here on We Read the Book. I'm Adam Heap. I'm Lois Mitchell. And uh, we're joined today by Bradley Walker. I'm Bradley Walker. <laughs> uh, joining us on an episode not divisible by five. No! <laughs> <laughs> the ritual has been completed. Yeah, so we're talking about a very obsessive person on this week's show. <laughs> so we thought we'd bring Bradley on. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our question of the week which movie star would you like to see become a sports star and why I thought it would be inspiring if say Betty White or Cloris Leachman or someone like that just randomly became a sports star Betty White it's like wow how Betty old? White would be amusing as hell but also like how inspiring that someone that old would be what sport would she play something high contact <laughs> like rugby <laughs> rugby yeah uh, she'd have the best attitude or just like, like on. gymnastics or skiing or something where it's more about like <laughs> gymnastics. the form. <laughs> Betty White doing like the ribbon diving is now in my head. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I was going to say Terry Crews and then I realized. <laughs> used to be a footballer. <laughs> used to be a footballer. So, um, so I was trying to think of rock, like, too. I was trying to think of like athletic, yeah, athletic people. So it's like the rock. Well, if you can call wrestling a sport, um, which you can't, and Terry Crews, who was a footballer, I'm going to go with a weird choice. Who's the guy who plays the Bazinga guy? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see that guy, like, get... Jim something? Yeah, Jim, Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons. Yeah. Um, actually, I think Jim Parsons is actually a very nice and a very intelligent man, so... His character, I would like to see, like, destroyed on a rugby pitch. But not Jim Parsons. Most shows like that tend to have, like, episodes where the their stars get embarrassed, like, playing sports against re- regular people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw this one at you. The dog that played Airbud. Because he's already got the pedigree, right? He already knows how to play the sports. Well, there's nothing in the rules. Then there's nothing in the rules. The dog can't play football. (laughs) It would be pretty cool to actually exactly. Mm. I want. I really do wonder whether they like the you know the NFL or whatever after that movie came out. We're like, should we? Should we put something in the rules? (laughs) (laughs) Should we? Should we put that in the rules? Or or maybe must be human. Something in the rules. Yeah, I, I'm going to need to research that once this is done. But that's my... I don't know what the dog's called. And it's probably dead now, but... <laughs> well, if you think about it, Lois, Airbud no. came out a long time ago. Sorry. No. Airbud's dead, everyone. No. Time to tell your kids. Dogs live forever in my heart. There's a lot of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> my bloodstream's like 98% dogs. Uh, fever pitch. Let's take a vote on the book or the film. But so, well, all right. Maybe I was going to do context after this, but I think it's probably now important to do context before. We hexed up so bad, you guys. So between the three of us, we all read the same book, uh, and then two of us watched different movies, and one of us didn't watch anything. So really succeeding on that. We should call this show. We we all watch the same movie, so we remember (laughs) too. We we read the book and watch the same movie. <laughs> watch the same movie as each other. <laughs> I did think about confirming it, and then I didn't. You were like, no, 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 it won't be. A it, it'll be the I just American assumed one. that we talked about it, <laughs> but obviously not. I think there's a good chance that maybe Lois, you and I talked about it when we selected this uh, in our lineup, and then did not elect to tell Bradley. I. Yeah, I don't remember knowing until ten minutes ago when you got here that um, there was but there was a film. No, that there, <laughs> that there was two films that surprised me. So yes, so there so there is a 1997 English film which was the original uh, starring Colin Firth, and then there's a 2005 film with uh, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, yep. which is about baseball. Mm-hmm. It's an American remake, uh, and all, this is all based off of the 1992 book. Uh, Call Fever Pitch by Nick Hornby, who we have uh, done before on this show with High Fidelity. 
I assume none of, no one here had read or seen any of them before. No. Because I had not either, despite being a football fan. So, sweet. Uh, so, let's take a vote on whether we preferred the book or the film. Uh, Lois, who only read the book and I feel doesn't want to vote for it. This is probably the worst book I've read in a very long time. Um, I'll get into why. Well, okay. Disclaimer, I'm really tired today. <laughs> so that's going to colour a lot of my opinions on this show. <laughs> not about to put up with like, Nick Hornby's shit. Yeah, basically. My, like, um, ability to put up with, like, bullshit men is, like, it's, it's usually quite short and today it's just non-existent. So, um, yeah, I, I read the book and I couldn't get hold of the movie. Um, and time just ran out for me getting hold of the movie. So, yeah, I ended up just, just reading the book. Well, actually, I, I listened to the audiobook. So, and, yeah. And don't want to vote for it. Yeah, I, I really, really, really strongly disliked it. Uh, Bradley. There are aspects of the book which makes me think that it's probably objectively better than the movie, but I enjoyed the movie more. The movie? The, the movie. Okay. Uh, I. I actually prefer the book, I think, to the film. The film was like, meh. I just like, I, Colin Firth in his, like, even, he really has to like nail a role for me to actually enjoy him. But I just like, I found this really boring, <laughs> uh, his performance anyway. And uh, the, the movie is like, it's trying to be entertainment rather than the book, which is trying to be a memoir and an explanation, regardless of how good it actually is. Is it a good adaptation? Uh... I think... I mean, obviously, we watch different movies. I think uh, the book doesn't really have a story to it. I would say that the if you take it as the point of the American version of the film was to take the basic premise of the the main character from the book, I guess, and then make a romantic comedy, then I would say they succeeded at doing that. Um, so if that's what you would call an adaptation, then yeah, it was probably pretty good. But they don't, like, the book doesn't have a lot to do with the film, really. Yeah, the book doesn't have a story, so... It um, has a chronology. Yeah, yeah, there's, um, really nothing to adapt. A little bit like how large sections of, um, A Beautiful Mind weren't in the film, and it was just the bits that were actually about him. Yeah, yeah. that's the previous podcast that I also related this most to. Yeah, that you know, it's it's kind I was of a biography slash memoirs sort of deal. So. Yeah, with a lot of with a lot of bits which are facts, which unless you're deeply embedded in that world, you're reading or listening to and going, this means literally nothing to me. And, but also, you couldn't put that in the movie unless you like cut to an animatic <laughs> explaining something yeah. about physics or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, unlike the um, the mathematics of, of A Beautiful Mind, like, I actually obviously understood quite a lot of this, although the football that he's referring to in his entire book is, like, long, long before my time, because I was only two when this came out. But um, also, the stuff in A Beautiful Mind is relevant to all of humanity, and the stuff in this book is sport. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, for people who don't... Uh... I, I'm not going to turn this into an argument of, like, you know, is sport good or not, but, like, I don't think people who are particularly interested in high-level mathematics mm. think it's relevant to them either. Regard, although, you know, obviously it has practical applications in the world around. Yeah, but, like, the the theory that... I forget the, the guy in A Beautiful Mind, I forget his name, but... John Nash. Yeah, John Nash. Mm. Did, were you on that episode? Yes. Yeah, weren't you? Yeah. Um, the theory he came up with, like, has, like, fundamentally changed, like, economics... <laughs> Forever. <laughs> so it's like not on the same level of importance as football. Try, even to, if... try telling that to Nick Hornby. Ugh. I mean, there'll be more no, people. No, I don't interested... want to talk to Nick Hornby. <laughs> there'll be more people interested in football than in game theory. Yeah. I think to me, the, the main interesting part of the book was oh, that's what it's like to be a fan of sports. So I guess it has to be. Yeah, about now that. we know how Adam's brain works. Yeah. yeah. I was actually, that, when I read this, I was, I was I was actually thinking, I wonder if they'll look at this and think, like, it, it, you know, understand one or two of the things about why I kind of, you know, how I react and, and think about, although I would not even put my, my level of obsession is nowhere near on. Yeah, I was going to ask how you'd relate to it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that before we delve any further in, because, like, I, I am obviously the sports fan among us. Um, 
and football is my my sport. Although I'm not a big Arsenal fan, obviously. Um, I did find I did see there were a lot of parts in this where I kind of related to. I was like, oh yeah, I can I can understand that. I don't think it really told me anything new. Um, again, probably I I'm not the level of obsessive that Nick Hornby was slash is because he still attends every Arsenal game apparently. But there were there were definitely times, at least as a, a football fan, and I'm assuming other sports fans who read the book would probably be able to see the same thing. And maybe just obsessives in general, though I, I don't know how many of them would read this. That there is stuff that you can kind of see thought processes and patterns, and oh, that's why I think that, and how other people think about it and stuff. So, well, I think what this highlights, which is something that is like frustrating about how separated the two subcultures are is that it just highlights that for many people like and look for many men who like identify as a sports nut their passion and way of thinking about that thing and their need to categorize that thing because that's a very male characteristic of needing to characterize the things that they're um so not characterize categorize the things that they're um and remember facts and figures um, not to say that women don't do that, but that is a very male thing. Of fa- it's just fandom, and that's exactly the same whether it's sport or Star Wars. But yet, even in this book, he goes out of his way to be like, "There's a certain type of man who likes sports." Like, no, dude, you're exactly the same as the guy who knows every Marvel character dating back to the 1960s. You are exactly the same. Yeah, I think, like, I identified with the bits of it that we're talking about getting really obsessive about something, especially the bits that we're talking about why he got into it, which was emotional, and then his sort of need to know everything. And he talks about, like, being a boy in the schoolyard and how the fact that he could pull football facts out, even though he wasn't the strongest or the fastest or the biggest... Um, he knew football facts and that made him one of the boys. So it it allowed him to fit in and like all of that stuff's relevant to everyone. So yeah, I I liked those bits, but it seemed like those really petered out once he got to the bits where he was a grown up in the book. Like the stuff when he was a kid I found interesting and about his parents' marriage and how it was like the one thing he did with his dad. Um, Because he had a mother and sister and they didn't go. And then, you know, eventually he was allowed to go by himself and all of those, you know, all with friends or whatever. I liked those bits, but yeah. I think for me, the the bits about his own life were more interesting than the bits that were just about football. Although that contributed somewhat to the feeling of, oh, that's what it's like to enjoy sports. But um yeah, there just wasn't a lot of that. And maybe that's because he was quite young when he wrote this. Whereas I think maybe someone in their 60s or 70s writing a memoir is maybe going to reveal more about their own lives than someone in their 30s. It will be interesting to hear. Like, I, I this is a, this book is now another, you know, 26 years down the track from yeah. there. So it would be interesting to kind of hear how he thinks his life is now, you know, because 26 years is a long period of time. And that's uh roughly what kind of the book encompasses maybe a little over that probably about third well no what well, he's, it, he was in his 30s when he wrote it but he it didn't start at age zero yeah yeah i'd just be interested to see kind of what he thinks now about his life and kind of where his level of obsession could be categorized you know if it's still at that point and how it's affected you know the later years of a marriage and stuff like that there's definitely lots yeah. of parts of life that go unexplored um I think it's probably easiest if we kind of keep talking about this theme or, or and stuff about this before we actually delve into the exact details. Were there any other like parts of it that kind of stuck out to you as worth? So, well, well let's talk about the the kind of um, damaging aspect of, of obsession. Uh, maybe well, it's not the damaging aspect of um, obsession. Well, I, okay, his, wh- his toxic masculinity. I mean, this this book is just a. Um, page after page of a, a man being like, oh, no one understands me, but I don't have to make any effort, especially with women, to try and understand where they're coming from. I mean, there's literally a bit where he talks about he went to a game with a girlfriend and she fainted 
and he didn't do anything because and he's he's like oh yeah that was bad of me but I think if it happened again I probably still wouldn't do anything because I think of Arsenal as so important and it's like that's sociopathic like you love this person and she's collapsed and you're still watching football and and it's like glorifying that and it's also trying to have its cake and eat it too it's trying to be like they don't understand me because I'm so obsessed with football, but also because I know that it's bad, that makes it okay. And it's like, no, that makes it doubly bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're doing something even though you know that it's shit. That's terrible. And it, it tries to say, like, again, it tries to say, like, men are so different from women. And, um, you know, even stuff like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm always surprised when I see women at the games because I don't know, you know, do they really like it as much as we as we do the men? It's like fuck off, Nick Hornby. <laughs> like women are capable of understanding sports. The reason you don't see a lot of women in sports arenas enjoying sports is not because we're incapable of understanding it. It's because of toxic masculinity, like you're betraying, portraying. Sorry, like it keeps us out of those areas because we're like. Well, all the boys are going to turn around and be like, you don't really like this as much as I like it. You're a fake sports fan or you're a fake, ga- you know, gamer girl or whatever. And so we don't go there. And then that just like feeds into their notion that we don't get it. And it's like, ugh, it's just so gross. I think also just gender roles in the first place. You're probably less likely to become interested in something if it's considered for boys. Exactly. This is talked about in the book and I, I don't particularly think it's it's kind of mentioned at any great length in the film and I, I don't imagine it would be in the baseball one because uh, the the stadium situation is very different but it, it football obviously is now kind of working hard to uh, or the football authorities at least are working hard to try and make it a more open and inclusive place to be and one of the big things that affected that was the kind of all-seater stadiums which so when by the time this book starts and and the film starts, uh, most football stadiums in England were standing, like there, right. there weren't a lot of seating areas, um, which is what they call the, the terraces of the standing areas, and that's when they talk about the crash in Hillsborough um, and all those disasters that happened happened largely because of of that standing issue. And now there is no real, if you're in the top two divisions of football in England, you have to have an all seater stadium. Um, it's just like mandatory. Otherwise, they kick you out because of that. You know, they don't want a Hillsborough disaster occurring again. And I think in doing was, that, they've was been... there some did it collapse or something? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, do you... he did mention Hillsborough in the book. Um... I was probably not paying attention. No. <laughs> so, for those of you who aren't familiar, Hillsborough uh, was a game between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest, uh, in which it was kind of at the very heights of football hooliganism, which is discussed at length in in the book. Yeah, um, that's being a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, police didn't really manage uh, people getting into the stadium, also they just kept flooding and flooding in because this is a, a cup semi-final, so it was a very big, you know, occasion, and then you used to get like almost a hundred thousand sort of people at these sorts of games. Um, and they just kept flooding in, uh, pressed up against uh, like fences, um, and and eventually uh, ninety five people died uh, in a crush because of a panic. People trampling over one another, mm. um, and it's the the worst football disaster. Oh, in, I think um, I do remember the bit where he's talking about that in the book. Is he that the bit where he's talking about? Um, he's he was still a kid, and he. He literally was being like, just just like taken wherever the crowd went. That's part of what he mentions, but there is a, there is a specific chapter in the book where he yeah. he says he he was at a game as an adult at the time that it was yeah. happening because he was listening to it over the radio and they were kind of getting details poured in. Mm-hmm. He alludes to it a few times before it gets to the time period where it actually happens yeah. and right. he explains it. The end result of this is was that there came out a report came out uh, and they had a bunch of recommendations one of which was also the stadiums which they then enacted and that's been in, in place ever since probably about the mid 90s. Yeah, just as just as the kind of the book is ending is when that sort of stuff is starting to be introduced. And football as well went over when it kind of went over a major rehaul especially in England in 1992 right when this book ends because that's when the league that they played in became the Premier League, which is the t- big TV money machine that it, we know it as today. Um, but those seated, sort of getting back to the original thing, is that the seated stadiums have now allow for family areas. You know, everyone, you have a ticket with an assigned seat. Everyone knows where you are. There's security footage at all these grounds. Um, so they are becoming better places to be for families and for women and for minorities. 
But that is not to say that football is immune from, uh, you know, its sins of the past because there are still you know, they are still combating racism and sexism and, and all those sorts of things. Like there's only one female uh, assistant referee in the whole of the Premier League. Yeah. Well, even um, it was probably my dad. My dad is a Plymouth Argyle fan, and um, one Christmas when we went over to see family because my parents are British, he took us to a uh, Plymouth Argyle game with my uncle and cousins and stuff and um, this was probably I was probably 12 and the thing that stood out to me the most was I was surrounded by basically like grown men who were like screaming swear words at the pitch and like that's a memory that stuck with me and yeah that was that would if I was you know 12 it would have been 15 years ago, <laughs> but um, that was scary to a child. <laughs> you would have, There's a scene in the film which actually where she's watching on as he's kind of, you know, swearing, cursing and all. Even as, as a kid, he's kind of watching all these other people yeah. shouting and, and being overly aggressive. Um, and that is, again, that is dying down and hooliganism is, is almost extinct these days, especially in England where it's just like it's not possible anymore. Isn't it the isn't it the case where um, it's actually worse? England fans behave worse in other countries when they go to watch the football in other countries than they do at home. Isn't isn't that a big problem? Yeah, and I think that's largely because of the reputation that they had of yeah. being of being the origins of hooliganism, and other people still see them as that sort of country, despite the fact that in club football it's it's almost unseen these days. But it's it's almost. Models sort of silent permission for them to return to being that way, like get yeah. too drunk and, yeah. you know. They do hand out a lot of bans for life these days, which are enforceable things. Yeah, to but only in England. Like, like yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, oh, and, and that's the yeah. thing. In South America, you know, uh, hooliganism and, and uh, they call them ultras are the kind of fanatic. I, mean, I went to a game in Paris, like in, at Paris Saint-Germain, the, the best team in France, um, like not even two years ago, and we kind of next to the ultras and they were on their feet in a concrete stadium, bouncing up and down the whole game. And it's just an insane sight to see. Yeah. Um, but, and you can imagine kind of what Nick Hornby's talking about, being on those terraces and and, and the the safety issues that that kind of presents. Mm-hmm. In the film that you watched, did they... What was the the audience of the games like? Did they Were there women there? Not instance? a lot. Okay. No, almost almost none. They, but yep. they do portray some in the crowd, but there are not a lot. I mean, he is talking about the 1970s, so gender roles were much more... Oh, yeah, was the movie set then? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's set in exactly the same time scale as the book is. Right. Like, part part of it, part of it, I have to... When he's talking about... When he's talking about the gender stuff that happened at the time, that's just the time. Yeah. But it's the way he talks about women as... So, what did you say? This, this book's 16 years old, did you say? Yeah, 92. Yeah. Uh, no, that no, would make it uh, 26, 26, yeah, 26 yeah. years old. Yeah, but even in the 90s, like, I, I know in the 90s, you know, people weren't as woke as they are now, but <laughs> I couldn't find a better word than woke. <laughs> um, I'm very tired. Um, but he still shouldn't, he's still pretty disrespectful about the women that he talks about for a guy writing a book in the 90s. Oh, I 100% agree. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, his... his... Also, he's r- very racist for someone who's writing a book in the 90s. And again, I know he's he's trying to... In, play- in some places, I get that he's reflecting how he felt at the time and maybe not how he feels now. But the way he phrases things, I'm like, really? Like, he, he talks about his amazement at his first encounter with um, some black kids... Like who had been in a game and I think were part, you know, were part of a group of hooligans, but he singles them out to talk about, and it's just like, I, yeah, I guess I get it. If you've grown up in England and you've only been around white people your whole life, maybe that was a formative memory. But does it really need to be in the book? <laughs> um, There's bits where he talks about racism in football and kind of on on the terraces later on when he's an adult, and and, and it's better, but still not like doesn't excuse mm-hmm. other stuff. In the American film, <laughs> it was set at the time the film was made. Which is like 2005, 2005 right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so in 
whenever he's at a game, there's the other people who have their same permanent seats around his, so it's the same people every game, and some of them are women. In fact, I think, mm, I'm not, I don't remember very well, because I watched it a few weeks ago, but there might be two women who are coming together all the time that, but they might be sisters or something, but they could have been in a relationship. It's funny to see how Australia's kind of relationship is with this, because the AFL has loads and loads of, of women attending games, mm. you know, like. Well, I was just going to say, um, I think baseball was always a family pastime. Take me out to the ball game. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it was a wholesome, America's very good at creating like wholesome activities for the family to do. It's, it's a, th- it's a thing that they do. Um, and like, again, having been to a ball game in, in America, yeah, it's a real family event. Everybody goes, like grandparents, little kids, and that was, that would have been early two thousands. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I do think I do think baseball is really different in that regard. Yeah. Probably even different to American football. I think football's the kind of men's sport, and then baseball's the family thing. Yeah. Let's so let's let's talk about the actual. So let's talk about the differences between. The two films as well, I guess, and the uh, the book mm-hmm. of which it originates from. So I think what we'll do, I'll give you a brief plot summary of the of the sorry of the book, and then we'll talk about the, the well, very briefly, I guess. I'll talk about the cast of the film that I watched, uh, and then Bradley can talk about the film, the cast of the film he watched, um, and then I can go to bed. Lois <laughs> will sleep during this I time. I will sleep, and then I kind of run through the plot, and we can kind of see where they differ. And what stuff they they took from the book. So, uh, sport the, the Fever Pitch, nineteen ninety seven, about football. Uh, sports fan Paul Ashworth begins a romantic relationship with fellow teacher Sarah Hughes, but encounters trouble as it clashes with his obsession with Arsenal Football Club. Does that kind of match up with? Uh, I think in mine, um, he definitely was a teacher, but he was it was baseball. Uh, she was a young professional, I think, working in publishing or something. Okay. Yeah. So not not a fellow teacher, but they met. So the cast of the the football film, uh, Colin Firth, not Colin Farrell, as Paul Ashworth. Jimmy Fallon's the lead of your one, right? Yeah. What's he called? What's his name? Is he? Oh, I don't remember. He, he's not he's called I, Jimmy Fallon. He's not called Paul Ashworth though. He's the character, called Jimmy though, right? Fallon. Thank you, Lois. I acknowledge your joke. Just didn't think it was very funny. I feel like that sounds like a British name, and he would have called him something else. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember off the top of my head. It's one of James. My- Eagle. <laughs> James Eagle Flag. <laughs> Chad. Chad Freedom. <laughs> they, he might have the same I name. need a movie about Chad Freedom in the next two years. Brock. <laughs> go on, go on. Brock. Rock money. <laughs> These are fun. I want to do these some more. <laughs> Look at these giving me our names at the end. Uh, these are great. Um, okay. <laughs> Ruth uh, Gemmel, Jemmel, Jamel, Ruth Gemmel as Sarah Hughes. Uh, Ruth she's the Camel. Ruth no, Ruth Gemmel. Uh, is she from other stuff? I don't think I've ever seen her anything. I didn't watch the movie. I, feel I, like know. I, know I watched the trailer for your movie and I did not recognize her, but it, she looked like someone who was probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, she was all right uh, as Sarah Hughes, who was the the and she her counterpart Drew Barrymore. Yeah, I, I don't remember names. You remember, well, you remember Drew Barrymore's name, I imagine. I remember her real name, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, what's her real name? Oh, I think she had another like a, a name, and then she changed it oh, to be a screen name. She might have a different name, but I don't. I mean, I don't remember. Who well, now I'm going to wonder for the rest of my life. So we so we did that joke twice now. Yeah, but the second time by accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're so sorry. The podcast is going so well this week. Um, the main so this one it, is going straight in the bin. There's only really one other. Character worth even talking about uh, from the football film, which is Mark Strong, uh, who I do love as Steve, who's uh, Pete from the book, like the the, he, the the kind of fan that he meets who's equally obsessed oh, that's uh, right. as an adult. Uh, and I enjoyed the story of his casting because he said he went in uh, and said that he was an Arsenal fan because he was from a, a very young age. Uh, and he said the problem was that everyone else who auditioned said they also were. <laughs> 
Uh, and it's everyone is very amused that they changed the name. They think they changed the name from Pete to Steve because he looks exactly like a former Arsenal player called Steve Bold. Uh, like exactly with the bald head and everything. So it was very funny. Uh, and I just want to say that I love Mike Strong and everything. He's the best human. Uh, that's a strong the end, claim. That's the end of this week. This okay. podcast. Right. <laughs> Mark Strong podcast. Mark Strong is the best human. Strongcast. Strongcast. Uh, and Nick Hornby actually cameos in the film as well as a coach of a team losing 9-0. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, are there any, were there any other like actors worth mentioning? Um, you know? Not really. It was a very formulaic romantic comedy. So they had the whole, like, both of the leads had their group of friends and the there were Did someone have a sassy black friend? Were they Probably. all stereotypes? There was... You're like, I don't see colour. <laughs> <laughs> no, the problem is I watched it Can't three work. weeks ago. I... They would have all been pretty stereotypical, yeah. Um, but there were like more... So there's also a female friend of like of Sarah's, but like there's just... Everyone and we're was... not going to mention her because she's a woman. Because I'm a, tr- <laughs> a tremendous sexist. Yeah. I just don't like to mention women whenever I, hate, I can help I, it. I do know that about you. Um, did the kids do much in yours? The the kids at the school. No, no. There's oh, okay. one. There's one kid who kind of has a more prominent role than the others. But M- mine had similar. It was mainly one kid, but it was like the kids were the spiritual advisors <laughs> to them, no, which was pretty weird. The funny thing is, right? So you so you describe yours yeah. as a romantic comedy, but mm. the football one is not a comedy, really. Oh, not even okay. in the British sense. I don't think it's like a ro- a romance slash memoir film it's just very strange I don't is that know. like how high fidelity is classed as a comedy but there's nothing funny in probably, it probably yeah. yeah yeah. it's just kind of lighthearted. light hearted like I, I think about a boy is classed as a comedy and the mum in that tries to kill herself mm-hmm. and it's like it's ah. funny because it's Hugh Grant Hugh Granting around it's like no it's not funny it's horrible just British people have a weird idea of comedy okay yeah. get our shit together English <laughs> I might be wrong. It might be classed as a drama, but I think it is actually classed as a comedy. So, and it might not be their label either. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm, we'll run briefly through the plot, uh, and you can kind of hold me up and, and point out where stuff was different. Which uh, it sounds more and more like it would have this. The two films are not as similar as they seemed at first. Yeah. Um, so it starts off kind of with just this intro, this uh, this character uh, Paul, uh, and he meets Sarah pretty much straight away. He's the coach of like the school. Uh, football team is that is he the co- is yours the coach of his baseball team? I think so. He's involved. Okay. <laughs> um, I sort of watched it movie again. reviews with Bradley. <laughs> yeah. Who's who, what's the character called? I don't know. What do they do? <laughs> well, I assumed Adam would have watched the same movie as me and would know these things. So I didn't pay attention. So, no, so I was fine watching it three weeks ago and then not reading on Wikipedia everything this morning. <laughs> Uh, Did you watch it in a small window as well, in the corner of your screen? Uh, no, I, w- I was paying attention. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I wrote down some things. Oh! But only, like, my opinions. Things. Only my opinions of it, and not facts about the film. <laughs> okay, I'm Lenny, sorry, I'll stop. Carl. Such as, why is he helping her change? <laughs> okay, that, well... Mm, yeah. We'll talk about that, I guess. Um, so this this... Uh, Sarah initially dislikes him because he uh, like he is that stereotypical football fan, um, and I don't see why she doesn't feel that way at the end. <laughs> um, and you also get to meet uh, Steve, his friend, and and uh, then you get like a flashback to his childhood and like his first game uh, as a young kid and kind of the fascination. And it was it was actually a good scene, like covering you know they actually film it quite well as to explain the emotion behind it and why like a child would be fascinated with this totally new world. Because originally he's like, uh, football, really? Is that what we're going to? That's actually correct to the book, right? Like, he he only ended up going to the game, his first game, by accident. His dad gave him, like, three choices of what to do for the day. Zoo, uh, movies, Some, yeah, and, yeah. and football. Yeah. And he was like, oh, football, I guess. And then he just turned out to love it. Is that similar to yours? Like, do they have flashbacks to his childhood? Um, I don't specifically remember flashbacks, but they definitely talk about it. So, for instance, when he's at a game with all the people who have been there for decades with him, they'll talk about how he... Oh, I think actually there are some flashback bits. He inherited the tickets from an uncle, I think. Well, I say tickets, but it's like whatever kind of pass they have for like you inherit the seat at the stadium. There's like this little kind of subplot of this kid that he originally doesn't take to a game because he thinks that it might just be dangerous. 
for this kid, which they kind of use to talk about how the terraces are, are not safe. And I'm pretty sure that's invented only for the movie. And then eventually, like, there's just a weird plot because this kid, like, like misses a penalty towards the end of the game and loses the cup final for the school team. And then he gets to comfort him, but still doesn't take him to a game or whatever. It's just weird. My movie was not really about playing at all. It was about watching. No, no, about no. The this wasn't either. So I think it's it, interesting it, that they actually did that at all in yours. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's about how kind of he is ignoring reality to kind of be around football wherever he can. Yeah. Uh, there's some parent teacher interviews, uh, and kind of uh, that leads to Paul and Sarah sleeping together and starting a relationship. How do they get together in your one? I don't remember. <laughs> no, they they went on a date for some reason. Oh no, I know what it was. He had because she was working in publishing or whatever, and he had he brought his kids to her job to talk to an adult in a real world job. Um, as so, like to give the kids, I think it was like a special extra. And class. he he hit on this poor woman who was just trying to teach some kids about publishing. Yeah, gross. Um, although the kids had to encourage him to do it, and I think she had expressed, uh, like, not forwardly, but had kind of seemed interested in the kids, like, oh, you should ask her out, and then so he went back. As and, if kids but, ever do that, yeah. or pay any attention to the adults Well, the, the weird thing for me was that, the, and, like, my first note on here is, like, I don't believe that the kids would respect him at all, because they make a joke out of how he's basically just one of the kids with the kids. As the teacher. That's exactly how I have is as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw in the trailer for yours that it was like that. But it just makes it totally unbelievable. I could see that the kids would be, they might like him and be friendly towards him, but not so much that they would respect him as a teacher. No, it's, yeah, it, I think it would be the opposite. The kids are interested interested in the lives of the teachers they respect. They're not interested in the teachers that let them get away with whatever. Mm. But, like, I could imagine them saying to him, oh, you should ask her out, but not necessarily in a, we actually think How you should kind of How old are these kids? Way. Like, primary school? Or no, no up, like upper primary. Or something yeah, maybe. lower. So, lo- lower high school. Like, the, it's the sort of thing I can imagine them saying to a teacher that was friendly with them, but not, only in a joking kind of way, not in a, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm agreeing with you, basically. So they get together uh, uh, in the football one. Uh, Paul's, like, apathy kind of leads him to reject a promotion opportunity. He's kind of, like, in the middle of coaching a game, his his school kids in a game. And the principal comes up, like, I want you to apply for this position. And he's, and he's kind of like, uh, why would I do that? Uh, he's like, more money? And he's like, but I have enough money to pay for Arsenal and, and, you know, a couple of beers and stuff like that. And he's kind of shouting over the principal who's trying to talk to him, like, yelling instructions at his kids on the field. He's really, this really... is obsessed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, it's yeah. They make no, they make no bones about. It. And a lot of this kind of middle bit is just about like, it contrasts like just his regular everyday life, kind of like starting to build this relationship with Sarah with uh, flashbacks of uh, the past and stuff. So like, there, there's that that moment from the from the book where he get his mum gets him a ticket, but it turns out to be in the away end. And that, that other fan is like, oh, but our team's closer to yours. Why aren't you supporting them? And he just felt really shitty about it. So you get a flashback of that, and then you get a flashback of his dad not being interested in football anymore, which is really sad. But but the movie, oh, there's this, I wish you guys could have seen this moment. The movie is so dumb about this one moment, because, like, they get in the car, and and he thinks he's going to the Arsenal game with his dad. His dad's like, you want to do something else? You want to, like, go to the zoo or the movies or something? Like, presents him with the exact two options he rejected earlier in in, in his childhood. And then uh, his dad's like, um... It's never going to be time to like, we're never going to see eye to eye to this. He's like, and he looks into his dad's screen and he's like, no, I guess we won't. <laughs> it's just like this 13 year old kid being super dramatic about it. That sounds like a 13 year old kid. <laughs> it's, it's just filmed very funny. I, I, I laughed quite hard at that moment. That was the, the most comedic bit of the film, I think. Um, so it is a comedy. Yeah, after all, there was I laughed, that one I laughed once, it was a comedy. <laughs> I laughed once, put it on the DVD. <laughs> that, there were a few bits in my movie that felt like that. It was like I think they just improvised this five minutes ago, and now it's in the film. Um, it's all kind of contrasted with uh, Sarah, who is like, because I can't figure out why she likes him because he's a jerk. But she tries to get in on like understanding football, so she can kind of get closer to him that way. And they, she ended up going to a game, and it's just super unpleasant. Like they're on the terraces, so like they describe in the book, like when there's a goal and like people just shove each other forward in celebration, and kind of like she just. There's lots of unpleasant shots of her being just jostled around and like has no personal space, and it makes me super uncomfortable, and uh, I would hate that. And I imagine that's not part of the film at all because the terraces weren't a thing in baseball. Yeah. Also, they 
Uh, I think in my film, the male lead was perfectly, like, he was being really nice to her and stuff. The weirder things about their relationship were more that it, the films seemed to think that they knew each other better earlier than they could have. So a few slightly weird things happened. Like, when, I think it was for their first date, he went to pick her up and she had food poisoning. So then they couldn't have their date, but he, like, came in and was cleaning up her apartment and stuff, which was kind of weird given that they had only met like the previous day or whatever so it was that was really nice of him to do that but not for someone you don't know already see that part kind of came in my film a lot like basically right when they got together when uh she's like i hate you and then he ends up giving her a ride home from that parent teacher conference because it's raining and she's like do you want to come in for coffee and he's like uh yeah whatever and he comes in and she's like um you can stay the night if you want and i'm like you hate him why are you doing this and he's like oh okay and then they just bang and they're together from that point on. <laughs> but, like, yeah. there was no previous inclination that there was any connection between the two. Okay, was, mine was like, yeah, they have a connection, but they don't... It's not... <laughs> like, it, you need a bit of build-up. Yeah. Was so there any baseball in yours? Yeah, yeah. They So then, he, meanwhile, he is, like, going to all the games. And he... She has, later on in the film, she's got a thing where it's like, hey, guess what? I've been sent to Paris as part of my work for the weekend. And I get to bring someone with me and you're coming. And he's like, but there's a game on. That actually so, takes yeah. off from the book, doesn't it? Because there's there's parts where he's like, I can't plan anything because until the fixture list is released and people know not to, in, like, on a Saturday, there's a good chance I won't come to the things that they have. I'm like, you're a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. But then, like, aside from that, though, like, I think the film is very clear that he is a really friendly guy and he's treating her pretty well. It's just that this, sometimes he can't necessarily do things. But he wants her to come to the games. She's trying to do that. Does well, she is well, also bring a laptop and trying to work here? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, so this is oh, yeah. very different. And she gets hit in the head with a ball and stuff like right. that. So they, you know, standard romantic comedy kind of things. Yeah, this is very different toned films then, by the sounds of it, because mine was not not fun. Yeah. Um, he, I don't know whether they thought they were portraying him as like a nice kind of person, but he definitely comes off as a jerk, and I don't. That's why I don't understand why they end up together. Like, there's this scene where they're they're coming home from a night of shopping and they're walking, like, through doors and stuff and he's kind of absently replying to her conversation. Um, she's like, what are you thinking about? He's like, oh, I was thinking about this, you know, because uh, she's a literature teacher and, she was, and he mentions, like, an author. And he's kind of, like, bullshitting his way through this conversation as he's, like, staring through doors. And, and then she's like, um, uh, and he's like, I lied. I was thinking about Arsenal the whole time. She's like, oh. I'm like, no, you're a jerk. That's not what proper people do. That annoyed me in the book as well, was, like, Nick Hornby name dropping albums that he's listened to and books that he's read. I like Sounds like an echo to high fidelity. We've all read books, Nick Hornby. Like it was just such bullshit. But he's like that makes me a sophisticated football fan because me... people think as a regular football fan hasn't read any books. Yeah. So he literally like keeps dropping book names and being like, Yes, but I read. Yeah, okay. So does but I think to me I actually did find that kind of interesting because it was like I well, could really... wrong. I mean I, I agree that if you read it that way, of course, it sounds bad. And maybe that is the way that it is, maybe should be read. But to me, it was like, oh, like he does. I could relate to him on those kinds of things, even though I couldn't relate to the sports side. So it, in a way, it was like, oh, I can have things in common with people who like sports. Yeah. Not that I thought that I couldn't, but yeah. 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 Um, yeah, well, that's the section where he's saying, like, football fans like this beer, this food this television show, this music, and this book. And cricket fans like this beer, this food. And he goes to like oh, five different sports. This body part of women. Yeah. <laughs> was that yep, that's yeah. That's yeah. I can't remember what and, um, exactly was. But... And then, and he's like, but actually, in the modern, the modern days, you can be a football fan who likes the thing that cricket fans like. And I'm like, yeah, no fucking fuck. You know, like... Of course. People are very varied, Nick Hornby. Like, thanks for wasting a whole chapter on this. Like, uh, to be so fair, the chapter's like a page boring. But, like, <laughs> seriously, why is it... We were saying before we started recording, like, this whole book could have been a long article. Like, a BuzzFeed article. It's a long BuzzFeed article, my friend. And not a, Okay, not BuzzFeed then, because they're mostly images. A long <laughs> Forbes... A long cats. Forbes article. It could be a long Forbes article, like... Seriously, there was way too much information in this book. Yeah. I could have got the same thing in, like, a thousand words. I do wonder to what extent 
that could be a product of writing a memoir when you're young, where you... It has to be book length, but I don't have that much of my own life. That... I wonder how big he intended for this to get, like, you know, whether he intended for this to sell a whole bunch of copies. Because I think it became a lot bigger than he thought it probably might have. Because it's probably one of the, the most famous football books in England that there is. It also seemed like within the book he hadn't published anything big before this. Yeah, I agree. Um, he was like, as he was saying during the book, like he was becoming a writer, but it didn't. I don't think he'd actually written anything super successful before. Yeah. Uh, there's, they have like an argument on the day of the Hillsborough disaster, and I kind of, I think they might break up, but I couldn't really tell. It was not super clear, and I think that's similar to yours. Similar, yeah. So in mine, there was a bit. They had an argument, and the, it might have been about the Paris thing, and then uh, later on, he was. They were kind of both acting like this, but it was basically a case of, will you take me back? And I hadn't realized that they'd broken up. I thought they just had an argument. So, but then, uh, so he finds out that Sarah's pregnant as they kind of come to a meeting to kind of see if they can patch things up. Uh, and then he's like, oh shit, well, I guess I better turn my life around, but it's kind of one of those half-hearted, I'm going to turn my life around things. Um, so it does end up applying for that job. Uh, but as he's in conversation with principal, he's like, uh, oh, you know, I'll need the money because, uh, I, I made that other teacher pregnant. And the, t- and the principal's like, okay. <laughs> Uh, and he's not super thrilled. And then, like, it's just awkward and weird. And so they're, like, they're looking for this new house to live in, which is super close to the ground, like, so he can be closer. So it's just, like, he's he's not really actually trying to move away from his obsession. He's just trying, like, making it look like he is. Although he's not doing a very good job of that, if that's the mm. intention. Do they actually get a baby? Uh, Not by the end of the film. She's still pregnant, I think. Okay, because in mine, there's more of a pregnancy scare. Oh, so okay. it's, like... She's pregnant. We should get back together. I bought our baby these Red Sox pajamas, <laughs> which is, I think, supposed to be really sad, but it's actually pretty funny seeing the little pajamas. Um, and then they uh, didn't end up with the baby. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. For sale, one red socks. I mean, it's it's not just like they'll they'll probably have another baby kind of thing, but um, because they do get back together, but yeah, (laughs) 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 he misses out on the job, um, and then uh, has a big argument with Sarah because she comes over and she's like, "Um, "I'm so sorry," Uh, and it's the same day that Arsenal have lost like a big cup match. And so he's actually sad about that, and he thinks she's come over to console him about that, which is come over to talk to him about the job. Mm. And uh, he's then so psychopath. And then she uh, utters those famous words that no sports fan ever wants to hear: "It's just a game." And he goes off on this fucking rant. Um, and in fairness, like as a sports fan, when your team is lost and someone says it's just a game, you're like, <sighs> but he uh, is obviously way too rude to her, and he's a jerk, and it is just a game. Did, so did they actually break up in this? No, so uh, they, so they come to this. Uh, it looks like they're going to right. So they get to this. Uh, so it comes to the day of the the final, which is part a big part of the book, the 89, 80, 88-89 league uh, last day, in which like they need to a certain result against Liverpool to go their way, and then they'll win the league, which is how it really happened in real life. Uh, so the day beforehand, his school team lose that cup final, uh, and he like. I think uh, she sees him teaching, uh, like, comforting that kid. And she's like, oh, maybe we can be redeemed or whatever. Um, and the day after, like, it shows everyone watching the game. So it's like his mom, who's going to, uh, like, everyone he's ever known basically is like a, a somehow an Arsenal fan now. Like, um, Sarah's roommate is watching the game, even though she's, like, not particularly interested. Uh, that that kid who lost the cup final for them uh, with his mom is watching. And, and then it's him and Steve in their apartment uh, kind of watching the game. And Sarah kind of arrives at heart at, at like the 90th minute when, <laughs> so there were one all, so, so there were one nil up. They needed to win two nil, and she arrives uh, in the 90th. There's only extra time to go, and like she's buzzing the buzzer, and, and he puts his head out the window. He's like, um, I'm in the middle of like the worst sick like 90 minutes of my life. So if you could just fuck the fuck off, that'd be great. And he doesn't know it's her, I think. Um, and then when he realizes when he goes back inside and has to like rush downstairs to the door because he realizes it's her. And then she's gone and he rushes back upstairs just in time to see them get the winning goal. And then there's like celebrations on the street and there's like a sad scene of her like walking away on the street. But then everyone on the street comes out to celebrate Arsenal mm. and there's, there's just sudden like street parade, which is not a thing that happens. I'm sorry. No one does that. I'm Maybe pretty sure it's... in the book it goes out of his way to say you would think that happens, but it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. In the film that happens. Um, 
and she just gets kind of caught up in the parade and then it's still happening at night. She's still there for some reason. And, uh, him and Steve have been celebrating like in the street all day. And as they go in this parade, they spot each other and then walk off into the, the night together. <laughs> yep. That's just like, all right. But this so this thing he, and, and like the narrator, over, he's kind of like, um, in a way, I think the winning kind of finally lifted that pressure off my shoulders and, and my life really did turn around from that point. And I'm like, you can't just fucking say that. There's no evidence to support that claim. You can't just say, and yeah, everything was good, really. Yeah, it's kind of like saying, and in, like, while the credits are rolling, and then so it's like, what happened to each character? This character had character development after <laughs> yeah, the film. Yeah. Like, what? Why did you have the film? And how did your film end? They were just, everything was happy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, so after, so when they broke up, he of course went through the comedic, in quotes, depression phase where he doesn't leave the house. And he's oh, only so eating rubbish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and then depression and then, is hilarious. And of course, his friends have to come over and help him have a shower for some reason. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, that's pathetic. Yeah. That doesn't even happen in this one. No, but they make. I mean, it's supposed to be funny, so it's not like he really needs him. But then, like you're watching, you're like, why are they helping him shower? It was really weird. Yeah. In conclusion, these films were not very good. <laughs> in conclusion. This text was not very good. Let's, well, let's recommend, uh, or not, by the sounds of it. Lois, why don't you go first? Do you recommend Fever Pitch, the book? No. Zero stars. Toxic masculinity, the book. Uh, I, I, I'm actually kind of fine with both that I, because. Well, yes, uh, you're a man. A man, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the book is interesting if you are someone who is quite happy reading nonfiction and uh, doesn't necessarily have any kind of experience of enjoying sport and is kind of curious about what it's like to be someone who does enjoy being a spectator of sport. Um, And the movie was like a pretty good for romantic comedy. So if you're interested in watching one, might as well go for that. (laughs) They're all the same. Yeah. I'm not really going to recommend the film just because I thought it was a bit boring, if anything, and uh, British and grey and just, I don't think Colin Firth is very good in it and it's just not very good. I was about to correct you then and be like, no, Colin Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got you into my, my long, my long horn. Long your your con. long con. Um, I will recommend the book only because I think there's a certain anthro- anthropological interest to it um, as a sports fan. Like I said, there were kind of elements that I thought... Uh, it help explain to non-sports fans like just some of the processes that, that sports fans can go through. Not to say that everything that Nick Hornby experiences is stuff that every regular sports fan experiences, because obviously he is uh, he is an obsessive, um, sometimes to a very dangerous extent. Um, and so that's not to say that sportsmen should be like that either. But it just can't. I think there's there's interest enough in it for me as to. Did you find there was extra value out of it being written so long ago? I would have actually liked to see something written in a similar perspective from now, because I've only really known football okay. from 2008 onwards. By the time, you know, I just didn't get into it before then. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of the, basically everything he mentioned was kind of foreign to me. I know, I knew about Hillsborough because that's a, such a big, you know, landmark in football history. But Arsenal don't play at Highbury anymore. Like, they, no. they moved grounds in 2005. Uh, they've had, they had an incredibly successful period, basically starting right after... He finishes yeah, I remember them being a big thing. They, they are. They're still a big thing. They're one of the top, you know, four teams in the Premier League. They have been for a long, long time. Or top six teams now. But you My know, dad like... hates them so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and there's definitely elements in that book. Like, when, when people hate Arsenal, there's still plenty of people like that who just hate Arsenal. But I think the thing is... He, he goes on and on about how, you know, everyone, you know, people love West Ham and people love Tottenham, but it's like, there are people who hate every club yeah. for reasons of their own. Like, I hate Manchester United because they were successful for a long, long time, and I just find that really boring. Uh, and I mean, I support, like, a kind of a, a tr- traditionally, like, lower league club who's now doing very well. Um, and I mean, like, Plymouth Argyle, who you mentioned earlier, like, that's, they're the fucking, they're mentioned in, like, every article about how far everyone has to travel because they're fucking nowhere near anything. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, I know, I know about Plymouth Argyle. <laughs> I just found it funny of him talking about Arsenal, uh, because uh, as like this one club that everything happens to. Because it's like, no, not really. That's just your experience. Because people feel like that about every club, and every club has ups and downs, and like that's just the way it goes. And so, and, and these days with money, kind of football is more limited in who wins and who loses. But 
Yep. So I would I would recommend the book, uh, but tentatively, and just be aware there is definitely Tuskic Tuskic Tos- Maxillin. <laughs> There's some Tuskic Maxillin in there. There's some mescaline, um, and it's pretty Tusk. It's pretty Tesco's. I give up. I'm going in my hole now. Bye. Okay. Well, um, have you been reading or watching anything interesting? B walks. Um, this is going to sound ridiculous. There's okay. a YouTube channel, I think it's just called Thomas Johnson Antique Restoration or something like that. That sounds great. Yeah. I'm already on board. Well, I, think it's, I, I get so excited when there's a new video, but then it's just a guy restoring antique furniture. Oh man, I'm so into this already. Please send me the link. I need it in my life. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's something about the fact that a person is fixing a thing. It just automatically gets you hooked. Most of it, he's just waxing furniture, but... (laughs) (laughs) What have I been into? I'm very busy at the moment because I'm involved in the school musical, so... So we should all go see the school musical. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my whole life is just 80s costumes and fluoro makeup at the moment. Oh, kind of similar to Bradley's one. I watched... There's a show on Netflix called Amazing Interiors, I think. It's really good. It's about houses that they look normal on the outside, but then when you go inside, like, some... It's usually a visual artist who owns the house, so, like, they've really, like, every surface they've, like, done something with. There's one where a guy has, like, a full, um, like, think of a normal-sized room in a house. One whole wall is um, a fish tank. There's loads where every surface in the house is painted... Oh, there's, they go to the um, Pink Lady of Hollywood. Do you know about her? Where everything in her house is pink. Literally oh, everything yeah, yeah. in I her house is pink. How could you tell anything apart? <laughs> it's different shades. Like, no, it actually is really interesting. When you go, that was one of the really interesting ones. Um, it's not worse than uh, Yeah, I would recommend that show. It's good. Oh, and then, so they, they have two in the episode that are already done ones. And then they have one that's being done. So, uh, like, a makeover. And the very first episode is the most hipster couple that I've ever, ever seen on anything ever. And I wanted to punch them both so hard. And they're, like, they've got a barge. They're, They're in London and they've got a barge and they're fitting out the inside to be eco-friendly so that they can live in it. And they're like, oh, it's fine. We'll just stoop for the rest of our lives or some shit. And it's just like, oh, my God. So, but once you get past those idiots, the rest of it's really good. Um, so skip that episode, maybe? <laughs> just skip those. Just or, or just go into the first episode knowing that you're going to hate those people because they're awful. And everyone else on it's pretty cool. Neat. I don't have, really have anything to recommend other than I've been watching a lot of, uh, like, uh, Try Not To Smurf or Try Not To Smurf, <laughs> Try Not To Smurf challenges on YouTube. Um, the, the React channel has those Try Not To Smile or Laugh challenges. Oh, I don't know those. And they get, like, YouTubers or style stuff on, and they just show funny videos, and then you're not oh, allowed okay. to laugh or smile, and sometimes they put water in their mouths, and when they laugh, they spit out the water, and that's kind of funny. <laughs> Destroy them. Look, I'm going to really, like... Low entertainment period at the moment. Okay, it's a low bar. I just, I just want to watch people spit water while they're laughing. Okay, we're sorry this episode is so shit, everyone. <laughs> Next uh, if, time, if it had been episode sixty and Bradley had been on it, we would have been fine. The natural order has not been restored. Yeah, we're sorry about missing the last one. Uh, busyness and illness issues, and then technical issues stopped us from um, releasing it. Maybe one day in our hidden yeah, archives. Yeah, we, um, we are going to save the episode. It just has some audio issues, so we may release it later. Bonus um, content. Yeah. So next time, we are doing How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. Um, we don't know exactly what we're going to be reading for it, because obviously there are a lot of books that that is based off. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's, really? a, it's a little series. It's a series uh, of picture books. Um, so we will probably tweet and slash Facebook uh, what exactly we're going to read so that you can follow along if you would like to do that. Yeah. But I but like the whole that series, movie a whole The lot, whole series so. will probably take you like half an hour to read, to be yeah. honest. Um, you can find us and contact us at wereadthebookgmail.com and on Twitter at readthebookpod. Um, the Facebook group is called We Read the Book Discussion Group. 
Um, we haven't discussed a lot because we didn't have an episode last yeah, week. So. But we do post in there and other yes. people post links and stuff in there. It's yeah. good. Yep. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes or on Stitcher. And yeah. we'd like you to do that. And yeah. maybe if you like the show, just leave a little a little review. Little yeah, star five review. stars. Five yeah. star review. A little five star review. Um, and thank you to the Dada Weatherman for our theme song, Human Light. It's a neat song. Yep, it's good. We like it. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've been Lois Football, Football, Football Mitchell. Uh, I'm Bradley, Unmarried at 30 Walker. And I'm Adam Cullen for something heap. Bye! Goodbye! Cause you're my human life Oh, oh, cause you're my human life Oh, oh, cause you're my human life Oh, 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 cause you're my human life And I've just noticed that on your notes for the episode you've actually written that um, Colin Farrell played the new character <laughs> I just confused so it So is there a third version where Colin Farrell played... <laughs> character because he would have been I more, liked looking at Colin Farrell he would have been so more I would watch that. Um yeah I did write that. Oops. <laughs>